Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. As we check in with our friend Dr. Oz, good morning, Mehmet. Good morning, Scott. How are you, Patty? Hey there. How are you? How was your big birthday celebration? At the best time. I tell you, the nice thing about that, one of the only things that's good about having all the kids home is they have a little free time because they can't leave. Right. So they, 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 made me <laughs> they have to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> I hey. had the same thing. Mine was in May. <laughs> they have to yep. be with you. They can't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> I you, but I tell you, it was so touching because the video started uh, with uh, all, you know, with that little home videos of what they were like as kids. And then they all, you know, gave a, you know, a minute or two speech about the values they thought they took from my parenting. And that's what they were thanking me for for my birthday. Uh, I got to say, your kids uh, rarely tell you what they learn. You see it in your grandkids sometimes, because you see your kids passing it to your grandkids, the things you think are important, but the kids will rarely articulate it themselves. So I was, I was very touched. You know, speaking of family, you, uh, you put a video up this past Friday about your mother who was uh, who's battling Alzheimer's disease. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but... I think you described it as she was mentally treading water as the degrees as, as the uh, disease moved on. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't think it would get such pickup. I I just put it out there on my social feed for folks who I know have been following the story because I'd never heard so much from folks was when I acknowledged my mom had Alzheimer's because you know there's 16 million Americans whose family members have Alzheimer's and it's a full time job to, to manage them because you, you lose them twice, right? Yeah, right. sure. They no longer know where they are, who they are, and then you lose them when you actually, but they pass. So my mom uh, has done okay, but she's not getting better. And she definitely, like, I'll give you an example. The day before my birthday, she knew the next day was my birthday, but on my birthday, June 11th, she did not remember it was my birthday. Oh. It's that kind of ups and downs that is very frustrating because you realize you just, I can't trust her to be herself every day. And you can't change that natural history as much as you think. I mean, I've done everything, believe me. There's no stone of. Uh, that I'm sure. Overlook under everything was checked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's funny because both both Patty and I went through that too with our mm-hmm. family, and uh, it's a uh, it's just well they call it the long goodbye. Yeah. yeah, the long goodbye. And you try to explain it to the littler children in the family. Like for me, it happened when my kids were pretty young, and they didn't understand when Grandma didn't recognize them. It was really disturbing to them. And, uh, yeah, we had the same issue. I think every family goes through that. And then, of course, you have the recognition in the beginning that all that, stu- I mean, in my case, my mom's stubbornness wasn't stubbornness. She really wasn't understanding what I was trying to get at. 
Right. And then you move from being a child to being a guardian. And it's a, you know, that, that's not a, it's really hurt a lot of Americans. In this country, we have a difficult time even financially managing it for a lot of families. So now you've got that guilt that goes on top of it. And you lose the little tentacles of connectivity. Any advancement being made, though? Yeah. No, there's, especially for early treatment, I'm very optimistic on some of the drugs that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but, but, but just so I, I don't want to be too much of a nihilist here, my, my mom is much better than she was with aggressive dietary management. We took meat out of her diet because she would get a little more, it seemed, uh, out of it. I think she was getting some inflammation, some, which we know sometimes that can be a problem with the diet right. you're eating. Uh, physical activity helped her a lot. Having more more time with us helped her a lot. But she's not going to get back to where she was. The medications hopefully will stop the, the little brush fires of inflammation in your brain before they rage into the force fires that cause Alzheimer's. And that's what we're realizing more and more. If we can intervene early enough before you've destroyed the neurons, the brain cells, right. then you could delay this for decades maybe. Wow. Wow, that's, that's cool. That's pretty good information. Now, um, I, I know... It looks like things are kind of winding down. I think we're on the other side of this whole pandemic. Depending on the state you're in. (laughs) Yeah, but now there's some other states, and a lot of people point out that the testing has really increased, so you're going to see more cases of it. But it doesn't seem to be as as, uh, devastating to the individuals as it was before. Well, our care of patients in the hospital seems to have improved enough that the mortality rates for, for example, ICU users is, is improving. And, you know, it's not just because we have bad school treatments. We don't. It's because the basics you understand a little more. A lot of the complications are because of blood vessels closing. So mm-hmm. now we can manage that more effectively. It's not the virus. It's the reaction to the virus that causes a lot of the really bad complications. But I'll tell you the, the concern that I have. I, I am confident that if we social distance, wear masks, do the things that we've all been hearing ad nauseum, that we'll be able to continue. We'll have ups and downs in numbers, uh, especially with more testing, we're gonna find more. And there'll be more people who get sick as well. There's no question it's gonna happen, but we'll be able to quell that with contact tracing alike. But I tell you what we can't keep up with, is when you have groups of you know, hundreds of people getting together all at once, you have oh, these yeah. super spreader moments when one sick person, one sick person that no one knows is sick because they don't even know they're sick yet, spread this to 70, 150 people. So last week I was in Utah at the epicenter in the country. It's a place called the Cache Valley, mm-hmm. Logan, Utah, beautiful area. Right. They have a meat processing plant there. They have 1,000 employees oh working in close proximity right across the center as they process meat. One guy got sick and got 280 people ill. Those wow. kinds of spreads are really hard for public health officials to keep up with because some of those people are going to get really sick and end up in the ICU and some of them are going to die. So you want to have, if there are outbreaks, one person passes it to three people, right? Because you're having an intimate dinner with four closer than you should have been. But, you know, it's only three people who get infected. We did, we, but we're seeing not just with the protests, which I understand that there's you know, deep passion around those, but we're having bars that are getting swamped. We're having people jumping on top of each other and you know, effectively clubbing. You know, that kind of stuff is very dangerous because you can't stop these super spreading moments. That's the big fear that I think a lot of civic leaders are having now. I'm, looking, people- at, I'm looking at a picture right now uh, taken yesterday in Central Park Sheep Meadow, and there's got to be, I would say, 80 to 100 people, and they they don't have masks on. And in fact, they don't have any clothes on. They have, um, I guess, uh, their skibbies or bathing suits on. They're all just mingling on blankets and everything right there in Central Park yesterday because it was such a beautiful day. 
Now, there's got to be some problems in there somewhere with that. Well, that's why the governor uh, of New York almost said that they had 25,000 complaints about people who weren't socially distanced, about institutions that weren't doing the right thing. And he threatened to close down, for example, the bars and restaurants if, if these folks didn't get serious about distancing. Here's the thing. We control our destiny. And the, the only good thing that came out of shutting the darn country down is the fact that we now took back the puck to your earlier metaphor about the Rangers. So now we control what's going to happen. If we manage it correctly, we'll, we'll have some people who get sick, but the vast majority of Americans can, can uh, withstand what we might, we'll go through the next six months until we get a vaccine. But if we slip up now and, and slide back to where we were in er, you know, early March when people just didn't take this seriously, that's when you get into trouble. We shouldn't fear the virus. We should fear a bad reaction uh, a poor management of the virus. That's what's going to hurt us. Look at China right now. They had an outbreak, you know, a couple dozen cases in Beijing. They didn't shut the whole country down. They shut down the food market, one of the largest in the world, and all the people who were in that market got put in two weeks of quarantine. And I'm sure they'll stomp this thing out by doing that. That's the approach we need to take. But we can't, in the meantime, allow people to, you know, one person to infect 280 people. That's not a smart move. People are just sick, I think. They've been locked up. They're overwhelmed by this beautiful spring. I saw in the park near me uh, probably 150 people for a picnic and a baseball game, and there weren't masks. They were all over each other because they're playing this game. And I, at first I was angry when I saw it, and then I thought my heart kind of went out because they were young, and I felt like, you know, they've been so locked up for so long, they can't take it anymore. And you don't know how to warn them you know, that's the thing that's so difficult. I think that the problem with the lockdown is it's not a sustainable process. What Sweden said, basically, because as you know, they're one of the few countries that did not lock down. They said, you may not like what we're doing now, but one day you will be doing what we're doing. Because what is your strategy after you lock down? You have to open up. And when you open up, you're going to have to do exactly what we're doing, which is to be smart about social distancing, to not shut down the economy, shut down school, shut down everything, but actually let people go back to life, but minimize the bad events. As an example, if you're at a pool party, right, the pool itself is not the problem. It's mm-hmm. waiting to go to the bathroom. That's the problem because you're around other people who are breathing at you. So mm-hmm. if we focus on what really matters, we can preserve the freedom to do what's not so dangerous. So these young people, I feel, but I've got four kids, as you know, you know, they were riled up. It's like riding Broncos with these kids. Yeah. And, uh, and they want to go out and live their life. They also are smart. They know they will not pay the ultimate price. Right, 0.1% of the mortalities in America are in kids under the age of 25. It just, they don't seem to have really bad complications that often. It happens, but it's uncommon. Did and so you, they, go they're, not gonna, they're not going to listen to us anymore. No. Did you happen to see the story about the hairdresser? And I, I forget which state it was, but she, she got sick. She was infected. She had t- said that she had uh, done, like, I think somewhere close to 180, 200 heads of hair with other ladies, and not one of them contracted it, which was kind of weird. But she yeah. had it? It, it? Even in families, if the, if the husband gets sick, the chance of the wife getting ill is 10%. Isn't that so weird? It's not 100%. It's Jeez. actually a manageable problem if you're smart about how you take care of yourself, even if you're ill, and... If you happen to pass it to somebody, pass it to one person and not a lot, it helps. But that's a good example. Outdoors, we don't seem to spread the virus because when we breathe, the wind carries away the droplets. So that's why I'm, I'm, hope, you know, I'm hopeful about not having too much of a spike from the protests that are going on. So th- these are all good bits of news. We just don't want to make foolish... Un- we don't want unforced errors. 
One quick question. There are 40,000 cruise ship workers stuck out at sea. Is there no safe way to get these people off those ships? I think they ought to come off the ships. I think we know how to manage it, and plus they've been quarantined long enough. I think they should get off the get off the high seas. It's oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah, but the, the problem is finding a port that wants them That'll or take will them. take them. I, I, I get it, but I mean, they, we, we, we went through this in Florida a couple of months ago. It's inhuman to let them on sea on those ships, and <sighs> that within two weeks they're free anyway. Put them in a, you know, put them in right. dock, separate people, and then let people get back to life again. Yeah. Test them. It's pretty wild too, because I mean they, they're not getting paid or anything. They don't no. have any money. It's a sad situation, 40,000 of them. Dr. Oz, thank you so much. Uh, belated happy birthday to you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. God bless, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank Dr. You, Oz Show, weekdays at 1 o'clock on Fox 5. Go to DrOz.com for more information. This is CBS FM. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.